Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Oh, well, you missed it. It, just, uh, it, it has a really fun... Oh, you heard it in my, uh, my call last week. The, if you were there at the beginning, the uh, when I start recording, it goes talk show recorded live. You ever hear that? Um, no, because I was late to that call. Even though I was twenty minutes early, I thought I had to log in and then the thing and then the other thing. Remember? And I wrote you how the hell, and then you said just call in with your telephone. Okay. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. So anyway. All right. So we are now recording. And ready to start our session. Whoops. I just lost your sound now. Man. Can you hear me? You lost? It it hung up? You can hear me? Okay. And for some reason, I cannot hear you. And it says I'm still on the call here. Oh, now I hear you. Say something. Can you hear me? Now I hear you. Can you, you can hear me. Yeah. You're powerful. Oh, because of all these fuck-ups? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, and I get really negative and talk trash. I'm sorry about that. But you know what? Yeah, getting with you has been difficult to say the least. Yeah, yeah. I okay. All right. Well, you know, this will work in your favor once we come out the other end. It's slowing you down now, but you're going to, like, manifest somebody really fast. All right, go ahead. In a good, in a good way. Okay, so uh, so right now this this session is about uh, your family history as well as your relationship history. I forgot to mention that. So, in fact, what I'd like to do is start with your relationship history. And then we'll segue to family history, and then we'll be at the end. So I'd like to hear about uh, your what your most significant relationships uh, from the perspective of what the problems were. I'm going to be looking for relationship patterns, basically. So starting with your first significant relationship, how old were you? you mean, how long? You mean, you oh, you mean first in my life? Oh. Not necessarily okay. the very first relationship you ever had, but the first one that felt like a, a real one. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be like a two-month thing in the 11th grade or whatever, but, you know, one that was, felt like a real relationship. <laughs> I was not a lot of resistance. <laughs> You know what? A real relationship. Okay, I don't know what that really means. Uh, no, I okay. mean it. I, no, I got it. I, I think I, okay, I don't know. Okay, so I was married. That was real. I lived with somebody. That felt oh, real. Uh, yeah, I've yeah, always been, 
I've, I, I've, I've always been into men. They, they, they always felt real. So I'm, I'm fighting with your question. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be difficult, and I don't want to, but this is hard. So <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't know what to say. Well, what I meant by real is simply that it was not like some casual fling or something, but that it, it felt like a relationship. That you, got, you could have been with them just six months or something. Um, so certainly being married, it could count. Being living with somebody would count, but it doesn't even have to be quite that big. It could be you're just, you know, dated for six months or a year or whatever. Okay, well, they, okay, um, okay, okay, I, I don't know why I have to critique this. Uh, uh, fourth grade and fifth grade, I had this kid. Um, he moved to town. I was... He was the it guy and I was the it girl and we were together. I asked for what I wanted and the whole thing fell apart. If you want a relationship pattern, I repeated the same goddamn pattern in seventh grade. Okay, so what happened was that we kept doing the same thing. It was on the swings every recess. I said to him, I'm, I want to break up. I don't want to be on the swings anymore. Or I, it, was some, it was either I don't want to be on the swings and then we broke up or we broke up because I didn't want to be. I don't know. But how it felt to me was now that I'm a grown-up looking back, it, it looks like I asked for what I wanted and needed and all of fifth grade turned against me. They were pissed at me. Um, and then so it wasn't he, just him but he, and all the other kids. Yeah, they, they were all, how could, how could you break up with him? So they all kind of sided with him because I was too, because I'm the one who broke up. I'm the one who asked, this is how I feel, because I'm the one who asked for something more. Everybody turned upside down and I was the odd person out. Um, then in seventh grade, uh, uh, the same thing. I was a favorite and um, I liked this kid. This guy, heterosexual. I have to, I have to acknowledge that when my work was heterosexual. Uh, uh, he liked me. We dated um, for half of seventh grade. I was starting to get bored. I took some really bad advice from my mother's girlfriend, who said, "Oh, it's summertime. You need to break up before summer so everybody knows you're available and you can do fun summer things and you can do all of this. So I broke up with him. I actually didn't. I actually just moved to a table. I needed, yeah, thank you for asking. I needed space. I needed some some air. So instead of sitting at our table, I asked the teacher if I could be moved. Where did she move me? She moved me to the table where the new male kid just moved and he was really attractive and so everybody made the story of oh she got moved from here to there because she wants to go after him so of course by first break boyfriend was really mad and he was just done right he was just so mad there was no talking about it um and then the seventh grade turned against me the same way uh they were. They took his side, and I was odd person out. And all the other girls couldn't wait to take me off the rung or the whatever. Couldn't wait to take me out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I kind of feel like asking for what I want and need is a, is a problem. <laughs> uh, um, you know, the guy I lived with isn't worth talking about. 
uh, drugs were part of that, and I I asked to get out of that relationship because drugs are not a part of who I am. Um, uh, on the heels of that, I in came Scott, ex, now ex husband, twenty year marriage, and how, how old were you when you got together with Scott? Twenty three and by the time I was twenty three I had been I had gotten three marriage proposals. Isn't that funny? I don't want to talk about those guys. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, uh, what happened with those guys? Same thing. Um marriage just briefly, marriage proposal number one. I was a senior in high school about to leave Albuquerque to go to college in California, and he gave me the proposal to get me to stay. He came from a really wealthy family. Not that that matters. Had you been together very long? No. No, just a couple of months. It was just a thing. I really wasn't into him. Okay. Um, Then the second marriage proposal was from a man quite a bit older than I was. I met him on my senior trip. I went to Mexico and um, met him, and it was, you know, torrid and really amazing. And he was, I was 17, and he was 32. <laughs> and he had a house, and he had servants in his house. And I, I just vaporized from my group, and I went home with him. I was promiscuous at this time because a lot of sexual shit in my upbringing, but, um, you know, when I went to his house, I disappeared for a week. They had no idea where I was. I came back to the hotel once to get some clothes and stuff. Otherwise, he had servants who paid, who bought me dresses and shoes. It was awesome. He had a boat on the bay. It was crazy. Um, I carried on with him, tore my heart out uh, the first two years in college with a long-distance relationship. He'd send me a ticket to go ski him every break I had. Um, so you know what? The language barrier, I mean, it was hot and it was fast and it was by kind for him, but it wasn't really intimate because the language barrier kept me from really getting too deep in that, right? Um, and I did, and, oh, and he wanted me to marry him. I forgot about that part. And have 10 DS Niños. Ten kids, no thanks. No, I was. Uh, I had changed my my um, major from business to engineering, and I had a goal, and I for damn sure wasn't going to get stuck in that. He also was involved in drugs. We never did drugs. I never saw him do a line or anything. There was a hell of a lot of money going around that place for being a biologist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I can't. I can't prove anything. But I didn't feel good about it. So that was easy to break after two years of long distance. Um. So I lived with a guy. Uh, I just told you about that. That was. But then I got married. And and I think there's a ton of damage. I got married. Go ahead, tap. Go ahead, tap. I got married, and um. I really liked him. I really liked him. And um, 
as soon as we got married, on the honeymoon, as a matter of fact, he changed. He, um, my sexual appetite and who I am and how I am did not change from dating to marriage. But for him, as soon as I was his wife, he said in marriage counseling that wives don't have sex like that. Whores have sex like that. And I remember looking at him going, well, really? Because you dated a whore? Where did all of this come from? Um, I didn't change at all. I didn't pull out any new ideas after we got married. And um, that was a problem. In the first months, well, on the honeymoon, for God's sake, on the honeymoon, I remember crying by myself in the tub because he wouldn't come take a bath with me. I remember feeling really lonely physically because once a day was enough for him, which is actually fine by me, but if we're on vacation and we're drinking and we're napping, um, once a day is not enough for me. Uh, But, man, he put the heavy down that that was not okay. And I remember going. When when you say once a day, you're talking about having sex, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when I I said he put the heavy down, meaning he put the – he – that ain't okay. That's what I mean. He really came strong about um, resistance, rejection, rules, whatever. That's what I meant. Okay, so he was he was judging your sexuality and being critical and putting rules on you know what's okay, not okay, when, when, and not when, and all that. Oh kind of yeah, yeah. And then I got afraid. I saw. I read or. I, Here's my other screen. Um, I watched your thing about anger. I got afraid, like, "Uh uh-oh, what have I done? Um, Then we get back to town, and I know that this was in the first three months because I know the apartment we were in. But same thing, it's Saturday morning, or maybe it was Sunday. It was one of of those days because we were goofing around on the bed. It was probably Sunday because we were reading the paper. And, yeah, I wanted a second round. And, And he was just like this disgusted like you use sex like a drug and he was really kind of pissed about the whole thing um and you know what okay i know you want me to get the pattern the pattern for me was what have i done i am not okay to him so i began to reduce myself to what he wanted when he wanted how he wanted and I went from living this big to living this big. And I do that. I will kill myself. I will, I will take the burden on myself. Um, it's what I do to control, right? You want patterns. There's one. Uh, uh, I made it. Everything that happened to the kid about me um, to make sense of how fucked up it was. Say say that last line again. To make sense of how fucked up it was. Yeah, the, the, way beginning, I was the beginning of the sentence. That's the, that's the part I did here, the first half of the sentence. And this. I did this to say, to say the whole sentence from the beginning. I make things about me. Oh, I make things about me. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, somebody can't, okay, kind of like your anger thing. Somebody can't be having a bad day um, and everything go upside down at work. Um, it has to be because something I did that is why they're upset, right? I make my external world about me. Okay. Or I used to, or I, or, or I do and I try not to. I don't really know what the right one exactly is. Okay. So, yeah, you use sex like a drug. Um, I went from living like this down to this, this, this. Uh, I was a female engineer, and it was not very long before I started having affairs. Um, The affairs that I had were, they weren't like hookup sex. They were emotionally connective and so I was married for 20 years as I look back on the time I bet I was only clean I was only clean for the last five years of it and I I made myself cut it off Oh, so let me just say that. So I was married 20 years, but only the last five were clean. But, you know, these men, these men were around for six years. I was like serially, I was in serial affairs that lasted a long time. Um, I distinguish that behavior from other kinds of behaviors because of what I do. Um, I would, I, 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 I completely categorize those affairs as um, looking for emotional connection, um, sexual connection, because this marriage very quickly became a sexless marriage. But I would say intimate, emotional first, sex second. So, the, so there was a lack of emotional connection with your husband pretty quickly? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know what? Uh, and again, this is, in the, uh, this is at least in the first six months. But I remember him, well, he got laid off, actually, from his job within six months. So it's in less than six months of the marriage. I come home. I had just won a new, I'd just gotten promoted to a spectacular opportunity as a female engineer. He's a male engineer. So I come home, I'm telling him this glorious stroke of luck that I fell into and what happened to me today, and he says, oh, oh, is that it? So you're everything and I'm shit. Now, he had not gotten laid off. We had, I don't even, if there were layoffs, I don't really remember that, but I remember being dumbfounded in the kitchen going, is there anybody else here? Because that is not at all what I am saying in the least, Right. But he could not have my successes, even at work, without tearing me down for it. Was it to make himself feel better or what or what? I don't know. But you know what? Note to self. (laughs) It ain't fucking safe to be yourself at home. 
that was my story as a kid. What was going on in my house? I didn't want anybody to know. But when I went to school, I was an overachiever, an A student, well-liked. I made sure no one had any idea, right? And then when I'd go home, I'd have to wear this valence, right? Completely different. It became the same thing in my married household. Yeah. That's how that's how we all work. And until we heal that, that's how we all work. Yeah. Huh. Well, I think it's time to switch to your family life. That's kind of what happened there. Um, how many kids was in your family? Just to start oh, I'm sorry. Hang on. Hang on. One more big pattern. Okay. What it came down to with the husband was this. Why, he would say, why can't you just be happy that I am X, Y, Z? And I would go back and go, God, what is wrong with me, right? First inflicting my own pain on myself. Why can't I be happy with that? Why can't I be? Why can't? What is the matter? Club, 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 right? right. Um. But then there was a big piece of me that said, well, fuck it. This is, what, this is why I was sobbing. I couldn't even believe this, this tech guy, 30-something. I know he was personally interested in me because he kept letting me know that he was personally interested. So that's why it turned into come over. Um, I, I used to cook. He said, I'll cook you, I'll kick you something, and then we'll work. Okay. Oh, my God. I couldn't, I'm sobbing, and I'm thinking, what, Carrie, what is the matter with you? When, when he came late, he didn't come prepared and all these things, right? Uh, but he's using my kitchen, and he's making my food that I had. I came prepared for my day. Anyway, my point is, I would say, I deserve more than this. I deserve more than this. No, you don't. Yes, you do. No, you don't. But you want more. So I would skirt around town like a coward to find it, right? So it was unbelievable to me that this guy in my kitchen was saying, he said it. Do you deserve a man that will do this? Do you deserve, do you deserve, and I'm just like. Yeah. So it was hard for me to have him say yeah. that. So anyway, deserving or why can't you accept? That's a trap for me. Why can't you just be grateful for what you have? Anyway, there you go. Well, I got a feeling that this is all going to become very clear where all this came from in this uh, next phase of this history. So we're going to start right. looking at your family background. Um, I already have some guesses, just what you described, but we'll see how it all plays out here. So, first of all, how many kids is in the family? Two. Two. And who who was what? I'm the youngest. Uh, my sister is three years older. Sister, three years older. Okay. Got it. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions from here forward, and uh, mostly I'd like you to answer them from the perspective of being a small child rather than later in life. Okay. Right. Um, I don't know how old you were when the abuse happened. So if the abuse happened when you were older, then whatever age that happened, that's when it happened. But 
first question is about you and your sister. Was there any big problems relationally between you, you and your sister when you guys were young? Yeah, um, and this has come up a few times. I remember, so my mom was a single mother, and um, I was in second grade. She was in fifth grade. The kids, for some reason, did not like her. And so we were latchkey kids. We'd come home from school. We had just moved to a new neighborhood. And these kids were um, following us home, not in a happy way, right? Anyway, we, we, we run home, we get inside, and now it's like they're beating up the front, the front yard, whatever, they're doing stuff. I am on the phone to mom telling her what's going on, and they're taunting my sister to come out because they want to beat her up. Oh, God. And my sister has a different personality than I do. Um, anyway, she answered the door even though we knew who was out there, and I'm hiding behind the door looking through the crack at the kid. And I am terrified. And mom couldn't do anything. She couldn't leave work. Go ahead and start tapping. Go ahead and start tapping. And, um... I was so afraid from that minute on. I didn't want anything to do with my sister, right? Because she was like the bait that people didn't like. Well, I didn't want to be not liked, and I didn't want to be in fear. So uh, I don't know. You know what? I just decided I didn't want anything to do with her That in that moment. Keep tapping them. Tapping will help. Crying is fine, and tapping will just help make this a little easier. You didn't want to be around her with her with her not being liked by the other kids, and kind of how that would then impact you. It wasn't safe. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. safe to yeah. Okay. Hmm. So your your um mother was a single mother. What what was the situation with your biological father then? He was in the military, um and he needed to travel, and she didn't want to travel, so they got a divorce. He, um, When she wouldn't go overseas with him, he did find somebody else and then came back and asked for a divorce. So how, how old were you when your parents separated? Uh, I'm just going to do the quick math. Uh, well, 66, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 1, 2, 6 years old, somewhere 5, 6. 
context. Okay. First grade. Yeah. First Good grade. for me. That's five or six, yeah. That'd be yeah, that usually yeah, it's usually six. Kindergarten is usually five. Um so who who's who abused you? So my um mom had a boyfriend. Go ahead and tap. Uh, third grade. How old is that? Maybe about eight. There you go. And he until, was the one until I was a junior in high school. Junior in high school. So that's somewhere around 17, 16, 17. Yeah. So did he live in the house with you guys? Yeah. And is it accurate to say this abuse was a sexual type of abuse? You know, I have had a hard time... Um, yes, yeah. I have a hard time with that, Stephanie, because um, I'm in a I have a I have um trap door on that because my sister got it worse than me so um, I don't know why I have a hard time with that she had a lot more stuff happen to her than I did with me but uh, with me um, okay with her well that's her story but you know what? With me, it was um, it was terrorizing and sex, and and I almost want to say this first piece is the is the harder fuck me up piece than the other piece. Um, he, uh, it's the confusion. Okay, so here, when I work with people, it's, uh, you have the shock of it, you have the physical experience of it, and then you have a lot of times what you tell yourself after, right? These are like at least the three major areas I look at. Right. Um, well, you know what? There is actually one more, and this one is the most, uh, insidious of it all. And, and, and I can't even get to the first three until you get through the first one. And it's the fucking confusion of it. The 
that the stranger who rapes you in the in the alley is a thousand times easier to get that person healthier and back on the road than the person who was the uh, trusted uh, person going to keep you safe and loves you and cares for you person. That's the fuck up to me. That, that. Keep tapping, keep tapping. That's it for me. And you know why? It's not even him, it's her. She allowed it to happen. She would watch, watch, she would watch him on me and allow him to hurt me. And I, I would be saying, screaming, yelling, stop, don't get off. And she, I can see, she sat in the chair. God, that's the fuck up. That's the twist that still gets me. Yeah. How old are you when this when he started doing stuff? Eight, third grade. So he so right away he started being abusive. Um, right away. And you know that's another thing. My mom knew. How do you like that? My mom, well, of course she knew with, uh, um, okay, here's what I want to say about that. Of course she knew. But when my sister confronted her about her situation, and you know what? My sister and I didn't even know. We didn't even know about what was going on with the other one because there was such shame and secrecy about it, right? When he went after me, she, Sherry wasn't, Sherry, the sister, was not around. Um, all the things that happened to her, I didn't even know about until my mother died. We cleaned the house out. We both knew we hated him, but we didn't compare notes until the house was cleaned out, and it was a month later, and we're on the phone finally going over more of the pus coming out of the wound. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm digressing. Go ahead. Okay. So I just want to get clear. You're talking about the confusion of somebody who's supposed to care about you and take care of you and things like that. When he first... be my mother. Okay, so that was about your mother, not about him. No. So Okay, so he moved in. Oh, that's what you asked. How when did it happen? He moved in. She trusted him. We were supposed to accept him. He was sleeping in her room. He's just part of the makeup. Right. But the piece that gets me is her. Yeah. Okay, so it's her not protecting you. But she literally watched him do stuff. Yes. And then I would be so, my face would be so red, and I can even feel my tiny little body, all of this energy... Finally, when he would get up and I'd be mad, and I'd be mad as hell, uh, you know what she would say? He's just trying to love you. God damn, that would just piss me off. I didn't have Google. I wasn't smart enough to know the word pedophile. I mean, I didn't know any of that. 
Well, not too many eight-year-olds are smart enough to know what any of this is. All they know is it feels bad. Thank you for saying that. I mean, I know that. I just can't believe I just said that. That is how I feel. But thank you. Right. 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 And eight-year-olds look to their parents to help them know what's, what's okay or not. Right. Right, because right. you're you're looking at her, and mom seems to be fine. So it's really confusing. It's like, mom doesn't look distressed, so she's acting like there's nothing wrong, and yet this feels bad. I don't want it to be happening, but she looks fine. She looks calm. So it's like this really confusing thing. That's what you're talking about the confusion. It's like, you know, you should be you should be looking distressed because I'm sure distressed. So. Looking at you, how calm you are, makes me think that, is is this not bad? I mean, what's going on here? It's like crazy make. That's the word I was looking for, crazy make. You know I've been over this a thousand times. I can't even believe it's so upsetting me. Well, we're going to do a different kind of healing around it than you might have done before. And also, all the work you did do probably helped. I mean, it's not like it didn't do anything. So it's, it's worthy of a lot of upset. So I'd like to talk about mom uh, in more general terms, not specifically related to her boyfriend and the abuse he did. Oh, actually, sorry. Before that, I wanted to talk about your dad. Do you have? He left at six. Do you have memories of him prior to him leaving? Yeah. Uh, prior to him prior to him leaving. Yeah. So we're going to talk about him in general. He was on TDY a lot, but when he came home, it was good. Um, I'm I mean, sorry, I have. He, he what a lot? He was on TDY. He was a military man, so he was gone as a child a lot. But when he came home, it was good. Um, when you say when he came home, it was good, was he a loving father, affectionate? Friendly, played with you. Like, what, what did you do? You're actually asking me when in my young life what yeah, I yeah. remember of him. Yeah. Before um, sex. Six. Before because six. He, he left when right. you were six. Um, before you know, I can remember. Uh, well, I can remember he was an angry element in the house. As soon as he'd come home, nothing was ever that the house was always upset. And you couldn't relax once he came home. Um, he wanted me to salute him. And my mom said that, that in, in so many words, what are you doing, Roy? They're your daughters. Um, and so she said it wasn't necessary, and he got mad. Um, I thought it was kind of stupid. So I was being, I was horsing around with him, and he didn't like that. Right. Was he ever loving to you as a child, as a little kid? Or was he more emotionally distant? Or like, what, how would you characterize him? Um, okay, okay. Okay, Harry, what do you know about him? I just know that he was kind of the stern uh, figure that 
ran the house. No, I guess I wouldn't call it loving and warm. I, I don't really have any memory of that. Okay. Not loving. Okay. After um, he left, what kind of contact did you have with him? Summers and every other Christmas. Because he lived out of state. He's out of state, right? Yeah, summers and every other. And what was it like when you saw him for summers and Christmases? Um, physically safe. You know, he never hurt us. Not, not like at the other house. Um, but... You know, my dad is a, well, my dad is an angry military alcoholic. Uh, um, at this time, at the next phase in how the summers were, is the time when he was Mr. Charismatic. Alcoholics often are. The neighborhood loved him, but in the house, he pretty much ruled with with. Jump when I say jump, you'll do what I say you do. And his his wife was really good about doing that. So will we. Okay. Hard worker. My dad's a highly functioning alcoholic. Man, that guy. I mean, really. I don't know capable of a lot of stuff he is, but but he was not very loving or more, no. Okay. So, um, I mean, so here's one source of emotion, the pattern of emotional unavailability, right? The first man in your life was very emotionally unavailable, very controlling, angry, stuff like that. Sounds a lot like your husband. Yeah, I didn't realize that until after I was there, but, yeah. Angry, controlling. Right, and you know what? And the boyfriend, part of the terror on the boyfriend was uh, his passive aggressiveness. Um, He was a liar, and he would um, sabotage my homework. I'd lay it by the front door, and then when I go in the morning to catch it and go go get the bus, homework is missing. Where's my homework? It was right here. I haven't seen it. So, I, yeah. So, you know what? I got to hiding things from him, too, and I could never be myself. If there's any overall pattern, it's I could never be myself and relax. That is like, I've heard more than one therapist say, you're kind of like PTSD. You can't relax. Yeah, I get it. And you mentioned uh, terrorizing. What kind of terrorizing stuff did he do? So I'd be taking a bath. I'd be taking a bath, and he would um, open the door. So then I got to locking the door. I can be smart about that. And he'd bust in the door, and he'd just stand there and watch. So, so I'm taking a bath. physically break the door, break, break the lock? 
he he figured out a way to um we had we lived in a really cheap house, so if you put a a thing in the what is a, it, a hairpin a hairpin yeah. in the hole, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, so he'd come in and it's like hello right you're a, a healthy person would say, "Excuse me, get the hell out right." Yeah, you didn't get to say that when you were a kid. So then now you, he just wanted to stand there and watch. It was... Yeah, go ahead and tap. Go ahead and tap. So that was both terrorizing and sexual, even though he wasn't touching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking a nap and then waking up to find him in your bed, I think is terrorizing. I still have a hard time with that. Uh Having him, his passive-aggressive lying, which is my ex-husband. I didn't know that word until I, was, until I was about 24, maybe 18 months out before I filed for divorce, passive-aggressive. Uh, yeah, same similar sick shit to make you think that you're crazy. I didn't see any homework there. No, you left it. No, you that. And then you doubt yourself. So there's a good pattern I have. Second fucking guessing myself. Okay. And the sexual abuse, how, to what extent did that happen? Both? You want to know intercourse? What are you asking? Yeah, I mean, what kind of, what to, I mean, you don't have to go into a lot of details. But just, I just want to have a, a, the, the general nature of what happened. And if you're not ready to talk about it right now, you don't have to. I, just... I guess I don't understand what you want to know. You want to know he chased me around the house? He'd tear my clothes off? He'd get on top of me? He'd just a really big man? Um, intercourse? That what you want to know? Does that? I guess I'm I'm feeling flippant because I don't. I don't know. Anal intercourse too. Uh, you don't, yeah, you don't have to, I'm not trying to make you feel bad or put you on a spot. I'm not, it's not a curiosity thing. I just want to understand the level of abuse that you went through so I know what to help you with. Okay. And you told me enough already. That, that's very sufficient. I just want to have a general idea as to what kind of stuff happened to you. Okay. And I am very, very sorry that that happened to you. (sighs) 
So, are you okay? I'm a little bit cranky with you. I I don't think you're very smooth about this, but this isn't probably what you do. So, sorry. I've, but I will admit I'm a little cranky with you, yeah. Okay. Did that feel too too abrupt and harsh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I apologize that I didn't word it in a way that was kind of leading to I didn't actually was not looking for any kind of detailed description. I just wanted a general sense, that's all. I could get really pissy with you. I don't just ask me the next question, Stephen. Okay. Your mother, separate from the stuff with him and all that stuff. Like before she before he was in the picture, right? Before he came along. Was she Ever was she loving to you? Yeah. Um, that's another piece of the confusion. Yeah, she was loving. Um, she um, she liked to laugh. Um, she didn't mind if we would play whatever we were playing while she was sewing. Um, you know, she made meals and helped, you know, let us, let me play in the dishes. I, yeah, comb my hair. That was loving. After the divorce, things got a little bit, you know, not a little, things got really weird and hard. She became really distant, like she's standing in the kitchen, but she's not there, right? Um... But my mom is the kind of mom that would hug my friends when they came over to the house. Right? So she was warm and affectionate with you, with everybody. Yeah, with this, with this part of the fuck up of it, right? If you loved me, why did you not protect me? Yeah, I get it. I mean, I don't get it, but that, I mean, I I can tell you, I I saw both of those. Yeah. Um, okay, so before the divorce, before the separation, your mother was loving, she liked to laugh, she was affectionate, um, combed your hair, and so that was really nice. Then, after your father left, it sounds like she got very impacted by that and therefore became very distant after that. So that would have been a double abandonment for you. Never, I've never outlined that. But yeah, you're right. Dad left, mom left. Yeah, yeah. And then you know what? In that same house that we had to move to with the bullying kids and the thing, I didn't have my sister either. I would call it three. Triple abandonment. Well, there was a yeah. So that that would be the the, the third and and last abandonment. Well, there's a well, actually, a lot of abandonment. 
your mom not protecting you is a, is a huge abandonment in itself. Um, Where before the separation, so your mother was had, the good side was that she was loving. Everybody has their stuff. What would be the the challenging parts of your mother? Challenging, like that I didn't get along with her. Well, like for instance, your dad was an angry, controlling guy. Right. right. So that would be the challenging part of him as a father. Was he, you know, like the negative traits thing, right? In the in the first module, like what are the what were the negative traits of your parents? So. What was your mom's well, negative traits? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You're asking me questions that I didn't um, before the divorce, right? When I went through the first module, I um, I didn't think about before the divorce. I think I was thinking of a different time in my life. So negative traits before the divorce, I don't know that I can remember any. She she cooked. She had a happy face on. We went to Grandma's house and Aunt Betty's house. And I just remember her being a mom. I mean, a mom, a healthy person. Just a nice mom, initially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Okay. So then that, and then she changed after your dad left and became distant. So that would be. A negative trait, well, shall we say. Yeah, and being a divorced woman myself, I get it. She changed when her world crashed down on her that she now has to support a household with yeah. zero skill to go out and make any money. That lady was under a lot of pressure. She was. So, you know. Time, even though we understand it as adults, you know, you were six years old and all you knew is that this loving mother who used to, you used to feel very loved by and taken care of, all of a sudden she's emotionally gone at a very impressionable age. You know, it's, you know, right. as you know, our issues are all formed by the time we're around seven or eight. So this is at six. So this is a, that was a tough age for that to happen. Because she was your rock, right? She was the source of love. Dad was came and went. Right. He's either gone, so he wasn't there, or he was there, but he wasn't loving, and he was angry, and it made everybody scared and tense. So he was not a positive presence. So your mom was your rock. Okay, right. I feel I feel safe with mom. Mom makes my world okay. And then at six, dad leaves, which wasn't that big a deal in a sense, personally, right. in some ways, 
right? It's just like he's not, no, he's I, not a great right. one. But then all of a sudden, mom emotionally, so that would be like a huge thing for a little six-year-old. And every little six-year-old would assume it's because she did something wrong. Right? Every little kid always thinks of it that way. I don't know that I have any memories about that. I mean, I might if they're buried, but I don't have any conscious memories that why they got a divorce was because of me. I don't have any of that. Not that. Not that. Oh. No, after the divorce, and mom is now vacant. So here you are, you and your sister and your mom, three of you, which is not that different than when you, your, your parents are still together because they're away so much. But mm-hmm. the difference was is how she was being. So dad's gone. Okay, he's gone. Um, but you're hanging out, and mom is not there. And any little six-year-old who is wanting loving attention with mom, she's used to getting loving attention with mom. All of a sudden, she can no longer get loving attention from mom. A little kid's going to assume that she did something wrong or there's something wrong with her. It may not be super conscious, but that's how kids at six think. They don't think, oh, there's something going on with mom, therefore she's not available. They don't have that kind of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And all she would know is that mom's gone emotionally, and I want mom back, and maybe I'll try and do things to try and get her love again. Right? So that could be this beginning of that pattern that you're describing, right? That I question myself. I get, you know, these bad things are happening and I think it's me. And I'll, I, I, I will try and be whatever the person wants me to be. See, that's a little six-year-old, you know, it's, it's, it's a survival strategy, right? Little six-year-olds go, I'm, I'm trying to get her love. And the thing that they will tend to think of is, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do, I'll try and do it. I'll try and be a good girl. You know, you went away. You're gone. I, I want you back. I need your love. I'll do whatever you want. I'll be good. I'll, you know, that's mm. what little girls think. Little boys, whatever. Two little kids. So it actually could have started before this boyfriend guy even showed up in the picture. Mm. that. I'll contemplate that. I, I've i never thought of that. I've never considered that. I really thought my overachiever perfectionist came from my dad because my dad laid the line. He laid down the law. You will have a certain profile. You will, you will, you will, or I won't love you. Um, my mom never really had any. She just, she just would love you unless... There was, it was, you know, unless the boyfriend stuff came up, but. No, she did. And then she emotionally disappeared. So it's not that she was demanding that you do anything. Your father was demanding, you shall do this. You will do what I tell you to do. This is what I expect of you. There's that, the military guy. Mom, she's just loving. And if she stayed that way, that would have really helped her a lot. But at six, she dramatically changed. For from an adult perspective, we understand why. But from a kid perspective, all your little your little six year old self knew is, mom's not being loving anymore. She used to be loving. She stopped being loving. So start yeah. You're just trying to feel it. So mom's all of a sudden is not loving anymore, and there's a big emotional abandonment there. 
and a little kid is going to do whatever she possibly can to try and get it back. I, I, I miss mom's love. I need her love. I'll do whatever I can. I can use every little creativity that my little brain can come up with. And six-year-olds have limited creativity, right? So they usually will try and be a good kid. I'll be a good kid to, to make you love me again. Mm. I think this stuff with the boyfriend overshadows so much of your childhood, this severe abuse that it's not noticing kind of more normal, usual things that people have to deal with, which you also have to deal with. It just got overshadowed by this other, you know, big traumatic stuff. You're right about that. So, so there is that, and that's going to be a super important thing to address for you to be able to ultimately have what you want. That wound came first at the right age for it to be a very impactful wound. Six years old is like a very key age. So we're gonna, we will come to that after we deal with all the abuse stuff. That's really important too. If you had just had that, it could have set you up for having unsuccessful relationships the rest of your life. Just that experience alone by itself. So. Can you do anything to help put me back together? All right, so let's, okay, let's do some tapping. Let's help. Okay, so on the on your cry shot point, just tap with me. Okay, so even though there's all that stuff, and if you can't talk, if you can't talk, just repeat my words in your head, okay? Even though there's all that stuff, and it's brought up. Huge, painful feelings. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself anyway. Even though we stirred the painful pot. Even though we stirred the painful pot. And I hate that this was part of my life. And I hate that this is part of my life. And that I have to deal with all of it. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. Deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. With kindness and compassion. Okay, just tapping all your points. All that happened. All that happened. I will come back and deal with it soon. I will come back and deal with it soon. That was then and this is now. That was then and this is now. It's not happening anymore. 
not happening anymore. It went on for a long time in my childhood. It is over and I am safe. It's over and I am safe. And I will be healing these painful feelings. And I will be healing these painful feelings. In a way that will put them to rest. In a way that will put them to rest. A new way. A new way. It's going to be a huge relief, ultimately. It's going to be a huge relief, ultimately. So I choose to put it on the shelf. I choose to put it on the shelf. I know it's there. I know it's there. We will come back to it in the right time. We will come back to it in the right time. This is not the right time yet. This is not the right time yet. But we'll come back to it very soon. But we'll come back to it very soon. I, I, I've I known that I've, I have to deal with this for a long time now. I've known that I've had to deal with this for a long time now. Part of me wanted to. Part of me wanted to. Part of me has been dreading it. Part of me has been dreading There's a lot of feeling in there. Lot of feeling, and I choose to be compassionate with myself. I choose to be kind to myself. I choose to be gentle with myself. Be gentle with myself. And above all, I choose to know that I am safe. And above all, I choose to know that I'm safe. It is long over. This one over. Yes, there's still pain in there. Yes, there's still pain in there. And we are going to heal it. And we are going to heal it. I choose to put it in the vault. So I choose to put it in the vault. Knowing we'll come back to it in the right time soon. And I'll come back to it at the right time. And soon. And soon. These feelings are ready to come out. 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 But not quite in the, not quite now. But not quite now. When the time is right. When the time is right. I am safe now. I am safe now. Happened a long time ago. Happened a long time ago. I am safe. I am safe. 
and we'll feel it in the right situation. Feel it in the right situation. The right timing. With the right timing. And I'm going to feel so much better. And I'm going to feel so much better. I've lived with this for a long time. And I can hold that a little longer. Hold on a little longer. I want you to think about, is it, do you have any close friends in your life that you feel safe with? Uh, close friends I feel safe with, yeah. Okay, who would be like the person you feel the safest with? Um... Well, actually, I, I guess it's kind of contextual. Uh, anyway, Greta. Greta? What? Yeah. Okay. So keep counting. Keep counting. I just, I'm trying to. Um, <clears throat> I want you to imagine Greta. You know, can I just say though, I've always kind of had a trust issue, and even with Greta, you know, she's let me down, so. I don't feel safe about everything. What are you talking about? Okay, so so there's no friend that you just feel fully safe with, it sounds like. If she's... If I asked you who you felt the safest with, and you say Greta, but you're saying you don't really feel safe with Greta? Well, okay, and I just need to tell you, I get really pissy when I'm in this state. I get really legalistic. Uh, <laughs> I trust her. I'm like, uh, uh, can I trust her emotionally? Yeah, but you know what? She's let me down a couple of times in the last couple of years. But as I say that, I'm like, I can't count on her to come out and take care of the kids if I needed it. Um, so I don't know. What do you mean? Oh, oh, actually, I got one. Okay, I got one. I got one. I got one. Okay, I got one. I wouldn't trust her with my bank account, but I got one. Okay, my sister. My sister. Yeah, my sister, ever since we shared about the boyfriend, my sister and I have gotten closer by the year. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. My sister would, my sister would fucking show up for me now. And, okay. And you know what? I really love that about her. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. I got it. I got. It. I got it. <laughs> okay. You got it. Okay. Good. Does that help? Does that help you feel better? You said oh, help me yeah. get back together. To think that one person in the world. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what you did? Yeah, it did. Um, yes, thank you for taking the extra time. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking it's, that if you connected with your sister, the person that you do feel safe with, it just helps be grounding and feel like, okay, you know, my my current reality, I have some safety. Right? right. Today's reality mm-hmm. today. How are you doing? Uh, I feel raw. I feel like I feel like you um, stepped over a really giant mountain that I haven't been able to look past to see that I feel like my mom just up and just vaporized. And I always have felt like I've had to do everything on my own um, because you can't trust somebody because whatever, whatever, whatever. But I'm I'm a loner. I'm a I'm a loner, but I like being connected to people. But I can do fine on my own, and I actually take off 
because I don't really follow the crowd very much. I'll just take off and do my own thing, you know, take care of myself. Yeah. Well, that's where it came from. I mean, when when we have a huge abuse thing like that, don't think about it, but just, we're just referencing it. You know, it, it can, like, well, I already said it, it can overshadow all the regular stuff. So, yeah. So it was important to skip over that and look what happened in the beginning so that there's a real important thing that we need to deal with there, too. And we'll address that. And I think you'll find that that's going to really shift things for you once we get past the other stuff. I have never, God, I've never seen that wound, um, although I wouldn't have even thought of it as that, but I've never, yeah. Okay, well, good. I'm glad that that was was helpful then. So I would recommend doing our next session as soon as possible, like tomorrow if you can. Uh, tomorrow. You know what? I've got clients tomorrow. I almost would rather not do that on a day that. Let me hang on. Let me just. See. Well, it's up to you. I mean, just you know, we just. No, we I know. Stirred the pot very painfully. I do. Yeah, I'm, I. I I figured that was going to happen. So I, I just I want you to take care. Best take care of yourself. I guess is my goal here. Oh no, I don't have appointments tomorrow. Uh, you know what? Okay, so anyway, I had some things going on that I actually, Tuesday's clear. So that's great. What's the, um, you're on the you're, East Coast? Yeah, so two hours different. Yeah, so. What would be I, your best option? I'll see if I can give that one to you. In the morning. Um, how about, uh, yeah, how about 9 o'clock? I can do 9, nine but I can do, I can do nine, 9 to 12 is open, yeah. Okay, that's your time. So that'd be uh, noon my time. Uh, I think it's eleven your time. I'm only two hours. Oh, all right, eleven, right? Okay. Good. I'm not. Actually, I was gonna say noon would have been a problem, but uh, eleven actually will work. Can we do it? Do you have to run at noon? I could do it at eight. Uh, I'm up. I just was. I just do some things in the morning. But uh, would eight be easier for you? It would be easier if that would work for you. I can do eight. Let's do eight. Okay. Well, and, and you know what, too? Then you're not in a hurry to jam out and thinking about something else. Um, okay. Okay, I'm stepping. 8 a.m. Tuesday. Gosh, how lucky. Cool. I mean, how, le- how lucky that some Tuesday things happened that I had the minute open. That's great. So tonight... Be super gentle and nurturing with yourself, right? We got we just stirred the pot big time. So do something nice that would feel good. You know, I don't know what is the most self-nurturing thing that works for you, um, but whatever that is, do that. If you have a, you know, well, I, I I don't know what it is for you, but whatever, I would just really would highly encourage you to do something good for yourself tonight. Okay. Sometimes it's, yeah, it helps knowing that, okay, tomorrow we're going to start the healing work. Um, but still, it can be, be really nice to yourself tonight. Okay, so I'm going to cancel my evening session, not with clients, but with myself. I was going to get some work done tonight. Um, 
I don't even feel like it. <laughs> yeah, be very gentle, nurturing, nice yourself tonight. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, we're then we're gonna do it. Okay, dynamite. Then you're just gonna, you will call me, and um, I should have Skype ready again. Do you want to record again the same way we just did? I, I probably do. I, I'd like to record all of these. So okay. how does that work? Well, like I said, we're recording this one. I'll just do it the same way. So I call in, I call you. Uh, well, actually, the way I did this time uh, is I called TalkShoe first, and then I called you. But I could do it either order. It doesn't matter. And I just merge the calls, and then it records and talks you while you, are, while you and I are talking. Or alternatively, you can just call in to talk to you. We can do it through there. But I think I think we get a clearer call if I just, if I call you and conference call it in. Thank you. And then how do I get the link? Are you going to email it to me? I gave me you the link. On Skype, I gave you the link. Okay. And I would find that somewhere. On the chat. Put your mouse over the Skype window, a little chat bubble. Got it. The icon. Got it. Got it right here. Okay, so I'll just. How do I get that on my phone? How do you get? Uh, well, if you go how to Skype I... on your phone, it'll be there too. I assume oh. you have Skype on your phone, right? I don't. I don't even use Skype, and I try to keep the apps as clean as they can be. So anyway. So I have to have you're telling me that I need TalkShoe on the phone to hear the TalkShoe recording. You don't need it. There's no app for it. You just go to the website. And then you can, uh, you just need that link. That's all you need. Do you have uh, Evernote? I do. Okay. So copy this link from the Skype window to Evernote, and then it'll show up on your phone. Oh, okay. And then just touch that, and then there it goes. It'll take off. Perfect. That's what I was looking for. Excellent. There you go. Okay. Hey, thank you a lot. <laughs> You're very welcome. Very welcome. And I look forward to helping you with this. And uh, I have done this kind of work before, even though we had a little glitch there. So I can I can really help you with it. Well, I'm counting on that. Um, not to put the pressure on you, but uh, thank you. Yeah. You're very welcome. Okay. God willing. See you tomorrow. All right. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.